If you understand the blueprint behind your thinking, you will then have more success more often because you know why. Mm. Yeah, the, the, why, the why is so important. Yeah, 100%. Like the art mm. of focus. If you looked at all the greatest athletes in the world, there is a look amongst their eye that is different to someone that isn't great. Yeah. And they're so relentless in their fo- in what they're focused at. Mm. And focus takes discipline. Focus takes um, emotional management of doubt, of should I do this? Should I do this? Like, mm. It's like, how can you stay so switched down the barrel of the gun despite the noise that's happening? Master Jared. Read, read into the space for me. Um Let's let's start. I wanna I wanna I wanna start off on a clean slate. You don't know me. No one knows you. What do you do? What do you do and how did and I and I think I think specifically specifically career, but I think also also who are you? Who are you? What do you do and how did you end up here? Mm. Let's start with who are who are you or who am I in my instance? Um, I'm a passionate guy, um, charismatic, hard to switch off, um, protective. Mm. Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm someone that loves lifestyle. I like business. I like helping people. I like having conversations. I like having a daily coffee. Um, yeah, and I feel like I'm in a phase of my life right now. Who I am is someone that is not grandiose thinking as much as what I once did, but thinking more about how I can integrate life and work into the one. So, you know, is it isn't this and that? You know, it's integrated. So that's that. Um, how did I get here? I think I got here from a decision that I made when I was 19 to go all in on myself and start a gym. And I think seven years later, it's led to this point now. I think when you put yourself in a position where you're forced to learn by no choice other than the fact that you have outgoings, that you have responsibilities, um, yeah, like I said, you're forced to learn. Mm-hmm. And in that learning, you you have growth. Um, and in those growth, I guess you have changes and transformations. And so, um, yeah, how did I get here? Well... I guess, yeah, from an early age, I just worked on myself, worked on my business, you know, worked on relationship building, worked on leadership, worked on all different things. And I guess it's been open to exploring my curiosities along the way has led me to the place where I am today rather than to be um, stuck in one and to feel like I've maybe given up on one. It's not just the evolution of who I've become and then I've been open to wanting to explore that curiosity and then that curiosity is just, I guess, led to the new path and then mm. it'll get to there and you'll explore that curiosity and you'll dabble in it. Is it for me? No, it's not really for me. Cool. I'll, I'll explore that curiosity. Um, so, yeah, I guess a willingness to work on myself and a willingness to be open-minded has led me from where I was as a 19-year-old starting the gym to, I guess, seven years later where I am today. I can attest to that too. I feel like you've always been good at like you've always been good at going your own way unapologetically. I think that's something I've always seen in you and something that 
I feel like I've always been stopped by is wanting to chase something new or, or, or deviate from the existing path. You've kind of just done it and it's kind of just been like, well, I'm just going to do it. Whereas me, I've, I've had a lot more mind chatter about that. Um, which I think, which I think has led you to a really great place. What do you do? I help athletes think, feel and perform better by mastering their mindset. Now, how does that look from a broader perspective? I think with every performer, you have the athlete who is on a journey of peak performance, of excellence, of the pursuit of greatness within their sport. So, you know, there's a relentlessness in that aspect that can't be tamed because you don't want to impact their performance, right? But on the other hand, there's a human there. And that human also has feelings and emotions. They have partners, they have calendars, they have responsibilities. Mm. And so I feel like, you know, what I do is I help the athlete pursue what they want to pursue without being overwhelmed by the responsibilities in their life to the point where um, they feel overwhelmed, you know, they that they can't perform. You know what I mean? There's so mm. many aspects that goes into performance, whether it be they're so caught up in the media or maybe it's someone on the brink of being pro and they're trying to manage a full-time job and training to try and craft that pro status, right? Mm. It's like we have so many responsibilities as humans in our lives and not only that, doing that but also trying to excel at in, in the greatest way that you possibly can within the percent of the percent um yeah so i guess coming back to the first point is i try and help them think feel and perform to the best of their ability mm, mm. what would you say is for someone who isn't pro um but they want to be and they have the talent and they have the skill and like everything's there externally it's yeah. like they've been told they'll do great things they 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 show they show that give it a little bit of extra time, they'll they'll get there. Um, some do and some don't. What do you think, say the three, the three biggest obstacles or blockages for someone who has the talent, who has everything on their side, but maybe fear hold, is holding them back, they're second guessing themselves. They've got imposter syndrome. They they just aren't sure if they're going to do it. What do you think is the is the is the biggest obstacles that get in their way? The biggest, one of the biggest problems I see for people that are trying to be pro but have overheads, may have a daughter, may have a son, may may have you know whatever it may is responsibilities. Right? Is like how can they get? the most out of this, the periods of training they can in order to get to that next level, right? Because it's pretty obvious to get to a new level in something, you need to apply yourself to like to a strong degree in order to get to that, to that level. So there's a time management perspective on that end. Um, the other thing is, is 
I can't help but unfortunately think within the world of sport, there is a little bit of like um, networking and, and connection building element. Like you, I think you do need to know people, unfortunately, in sport if you're not already in the system. So, you know, I think networking and, and making connections for yourself or reaching out to clubs or sporting managers or whatever, like I think there there is that is a key element. Mm. You know, you can vouch to say like be so great they can't not pick you and there's all those things, but like when you get past the junior leads, there's not open trials much anymore, right? You have to, there's, there's other ways you sort of have to go through it. So I would say on one, it's like, okay, cool. Look at where you are coming back to the skill development one or the sucking the most out of your time is like, if you could improve 5% in the next 12 months and you could round down that 5% into three fundamental areas without neglecting the foundations to your strength work and to your your normal routine, but you can narrow it down to three skill deficiencies that you could work on. If they just worked on them, those three things, and that was the thing that got them from there to another 5%, that could be the difference, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like less is more from a mental application side of things. Um, all your habitualized routines stay the same. You're not neglecting them. It's just focusing on the the very few big rocks that will have the significant returns of investment of your time and energy mm. to get to where you want to. And networking, I think networking is incredibly important. So, you know, you know, managers reaching out to clubs, building relationships. You know, because you need to be seen in to a certain degree. The third one is to have a sense of urgency but not let that sense of urgency turn into irrationality because there's an element of time is running out, mm, mm. you know, but at the same time be fueled by that to a degree, but don't let it drive your decision-making that you overplay your hand, that you, you know, you overtrain, you know what I mean? That leads to injury. There's a difference between being fueled, I think, by the sense of time's running out but not to drive behavior from that place. Mm, mm. Yeah, which would which would be like a, a a fine balance between macro patience and and micro speed. Yeah. Which comes back to the first point was like if you gave yourself 12 months to get better at three things. Mm. And I say this to athletes all the time, outside of the result if they got better every year, that's what they want, right? They're so caught up on like, I need to be better. I need to be better. It's like, well, yeah, you because you're not at your, your pinnacle state yet. Mm. Probably five years off your pinnacle state. So, of course, you're always going to see yourself as I need to get better. Mm. So, it's like if you gave yourself 12 months and you just got 5% better in three different areas, that would make you a 15% overall better performer. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? And you will get there in 12 months. Mm. But then the uh, the limiting belief goes, time's running out, time's running out, shit, time's running out. And so they don't give themselves 12 months. Mm. What attracted you to this work? And like, how, how did you how did you decide that this was like, this was the thing? Because, I mean, you've been involved very much around like the fitness world. Um for a long time and, and that kind of space. And there's been, there's been a massive amount of personal development on your side. And I think you've always been quite passionate about 
everything that you're learning, you want to be able to share that with other people. But what made you decide to go all in on athletes? First and first thing is the fitness industry has been the catalyst to put me in the position that I am today. So it's like the fitness industry welcomed me into this whole space of mentality, health, healthiness, well-being. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's the entry point into a broader pond. I feel like in that pond you can go and select your little area that you want to play in, right? Mm. And so I, I, I dabbled in the area of the health and fitness and I just didn't uh, – I got what I needed to out of that space. Um what got me interested in this space was I loved learning about the mindset and trying to execute a gym called Base Movement Hub. We tried to develop um, a unique facility that brought mind into the health and fitness um, industry. Um, COVID was there, but it was it was probably a little bit unsuccessful in the, in the fact that the marketing was a little bit probably off. It was probably a little bit of instant gratification in order to get the message out. Um, and it was a bit of a hit and miss per se. Mm. Okay, I don't mm. think we gave ourselves a long enough period to execute the ultimate vision of what the company wanted to achieve. Um, and I didn't really have the patience after COVID, to be honest with you, after reassessing some personal values and lifestyle choices to do that. So when I got into this space, um, really, a really good mate of mine is Nico Hines, who I still work with to this day. And um, he was at Melbourne Storm um, and we had rekindled on his debut game um, down at Terrigal. Me and Taylor were walking, um, for those that are listening, Taylor's my partner, and we were walking on uh, on his debut game. We bumped into each other. We rekindled after playing junior football together and being really close mates. Um, had nothing wrong. Like we didn't have an outburst. We just sort of distanced over time and... When we bumped into each other, we rekindled from there and he was going through a bit of a phase where he was in and out of first grade, trying to find his feet. People were in front of him, you know, trying to find that next step and we we started to have some some conversations and I always have loved rugby leader, but I've always loved sport in general. And then um, we started to, you know, increase our level of talking with one another. And then he had an opportunity where he signed with the Cornell Sharks and um, he was signed as their halfback to their their chess mover, essentially their marquee player. And um, I said to him, um, you're about to enter an arena in Sydney, which is the main sport in Sydney. It's a lot of attention. Um, there's going to be a lot of external noise and external pressure trying to be placed on you. I feel like I can really help you. Um, would you like to, I guess, formalize to a degree our relationship? And he took that on and he was keen and we worked with each other throughout the 2022 season. Um, and just really loved it. Was more dedicated to it than the gym was more excited about it by the gym without trying to be biased. It was just naturally what my instincts was leading to. And I felt like I've been quite in tune with those feelings. like quite in tune with my soul in these certain environments. It's like, why am I naturally lit up by this, but I'm not by that. It's mm-hmm. like, there's a message in that, right? Um, 
And then there was a couple of times last year where I was just crying out of complete passion for Nico. Um, then he went, when he won the Dalian, I was just in tears. Uh, maybe a little bit of disbelief of what we had achieved. You know, mm. I've put it 99% of down to, you know, him, his work and his ability. And, it, you know, if I helped in even in 1% of what he was able to achieve, um, that when he not only won the Diane, but he won the, I guess, the community award that year for his sportsmanship, I felt like that year and him working, me working with Nico and the opportunity that he allowed me to have that gave me a taste of um, where I felt like my next, um, my next area of life's work was to be in. Mm. Here we are. Mm. Talk through, um, to talk through your junior, I, I guess, because there, there was a there was a point where you made a decision that you weren't going to pursue football. But like, what what was your, um, what was your journey with yep. with football? Because obviously that's like. I think we've spoken about it a few times and and we can speak about it a little bit after but um the 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 two the blend of two passions is where generally where they intersect is where we find that yeah. that thing that zone of genius which yours is the mind and and football but what was your journey the the foundational journey of your football yeah so Two sports that I really focused on, surf life saving in the summer and then football in the winter. It was, they they were like my main two things. I never in both of them were like peak, like standout. You know, like I would do pretty well in surf life saving, you know, maybe like the top 20 in Australian board paddling, for example, in my age group. Um, And then football in the winter, you know, played local first grade, played in the rep sides, um, was able to play for New South Wales CIS, so combined independent schools up in the Australian Schoolboys Tournament, so versus like Queensland, Tasmania, all those. And that was probably my greatest achievement in the under-18s, um, doing that and, you, you know, versing a lot of the boys that are now, like Nitto was there, like a lot of main players now in the NRL, some of the best players in the NRL would have been were in that tournament. And so that was cool because that gave me an insight. It's like, wow, like I'm playing in the same competition that these guys are and these guys are already signed to NRL clubs. And so there was a year there where after school, I went really, really hard in football, had a few little tw- uh, under-20s trials, um, but really just couldn't find a key position, like a main position for me. Like I was always like a big kid, but I'm not at tall, so I'm not really like a massive forward, but I could play because I was aggressive in the forwards, but I could play a bit of 5'8". So I could really never like double down on one fundamental position. Mm. You know what mm. I mean? So there was like, it was great because I had versatility, but the downside to versatility is you don't spend the hours in that one position. Mm. Um, and then we are playing a local game. I did my knee um, and then it was around this time that when I'd left school that I was sort of looking at, you know, what I wanted to do for work as well and got into the fitness industry, started my business and it started to take off and that's when I sort of did my knee and I guess I was presented with what at the time, maybe not now, it didn't need to be, but at the time it felt like a decision needed to be made whether I wanted to pursue the football thing and you know, risk being injured for my clients in the fitness industry or to 
put the football dream aside and, and double down mm. um, on the fitness industry. I just, mm. I was running boot camps at the time and cutting stuff around in my van and, you know, doing the knee. I just couldn't comprehend like having to do my knee and like not being able to cut my stuff around and, mm. and mm. serve my clients. So I made the decision to pursue um, the fitness industry. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's important because like I see you, I'm not like massive on football, but like you're very notorious for, for being very passionate when it comes to watching the football. Um, and I think there's I think there's video, I might try, and, might try and find a video that I can play. I can't watch uh, football at home with anyone. So it's probably my dad alone or Taylor. Mm. Like if it's a tea day, like if it's Nitto yeah. or like whatever, like. Just getting in the zone. But it's hard because you're in this world so much. Like, yeah. Most fans see it on the weekend, but then I help clients throughout it during the whole week. So it's mm. like, mm. you end up taking, realizing, like, wow, I'm pretty like footballed out right now. I need to take some time off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, it, and it, comes, it comes back to, comes back to what I said before about those blends of passions. Um, to talk, talk to me about that. Like, talk to me about those. The, those two significant parts of your life individually, but also bringing those two together. Yeah. There's, I think the book is called the art of impossible by Stephen Kotler. And mm. he talks about like the, the emergence of different passions. Foot, like I'm not niche in football, like I'm sports, but it's led me through uh, Nick on my work, I guess to maybe 60 to 70% of my athletes are, rugby league players. Mm. I think what it is, it's like your ability to articulate the emergence between the two. Like if I just talked on mindfulness, but I didn't go zoned into sport, like I don't mm. tailor my message on my social medias around rugby league players. If I just said mindfulness, it would sort of maybe hit the mark of athletes, but not those words and those intricacies in the details wouldn't really hit them. No. Um, and so I think when you can understand one topic and then you understand the other topic, you can go and you understand that person so well that you're like, okay, what are they thinking and feeling? And this is the message I'm going to portray. And how can I get that to sort of fit into that jigsaw puzzle there? Mm. And then how can that land for that person? Mm. And then from the one-on-one's perspective, we can go one level deeper. Because if I do know that I, I do know game of football, we can talk strategy of football, but from, the mindset mm. so we can be like okay cool so we're about to do a shift here knowing that we're going to be doing a shift and i've pulled this up with a client they've pulled up their highlights reel in a particular moment and we're like they're like i didn't feel like i attitude this moment i was like cool so visualize yourself shut your eyes take yourself back to this moment and we pulled up the clip over the zoom and we looked at it as like cool where was your mind at here and he's like oh i was a bit erratic i wasn't breathing that deeply and I was a bit overwhelmed. It's like, cool. So what would we do differently next time? It's like, oh, so when we know that it's about to shift over to us, we'd take a breath. And then that next week, he had the opportunity to do that. He took a breath and he completely carved up the person that was in front mm. of him. And it was quite interesting because what I noticed in that moment was that oh, I can speak, I can speak like strategy of that game to a degree that they're like, oh, well, he knows the game. Mm. He knows the mindset. So it's like you're speaking their language, but you sort of understand what they're thinking. You understand, mm. you know, 
maybe not the whole thing because they spend hours and hours on video, but you understand the essence of the game so you can apply the mind to the strategy mm. and try mm. and find <clears throat> opportunities to to find that 1% edge. Mm. Mm. So if someone, like, I guess if an athlete has never really dived into this kind of work before um, or for anyone listening who is an athlete who has never really considered... I guess like I alluded to before, like talent has got them to this point. Like just just skill, just like to, like time time in the game, like like time being an athlete. Um they've just they've gotten to a certain point and they're like, I'm at a great point, but it's like, but what is that extra? What does that extra one one to five to ten to twenty percent look like for me? Like where do you where do you fit in and, and and how do you begin to introduce them to what mindset is all about and how it actually influences the way that they play or perform? So if you look like first things first, the foot doesn't tell the foot to hit the ball. The mind tells the foot to hit the ball. But it's been you've done so many hours on your craft that that's become automatic. Okay. But when we look at behavior, if you looked at the best athletes in the world, they're so simple in what they do. Like they're the best at the basics. Mm. But that takes incredible discipline. It also takes incredible emotional discipline to not be swayed in pressured moments, mm. to not fall from the plan in pressured moments, to not have irrationality behaviors kick in. Does that make sense? Like... Mm. Pressure does crazy things. Life does crazy things. Um, relationship arguments do crazy things to athletes. Um, um, confrontation with teammates does crazy things. Like mm. when we look at it, we are a human and everything follows the cycle from us. It all starts in psychology before it moves into um, physiology and then to action. So we looked at mm. the experience that happens and it, and fast it is, it can become automatic and subconscious. But when we look at it, an event will happen. That event will stimulate a thought. That thought will stimulate some sort of sensation, which is a feeling inside the body and the nervous system. You will then, as a human, behave based on that feeling. Mm. Okay. Now, a lot of the time, we aren't aware of that cycle. But what happens if we became aware of that cycle? Mm, mm. Oh, wow, I've just made a mistake and I've noticed that I feel guilty. I feel like I'm embarrassed. I feel like I've let the whole team down. Mm. Okay, And let's say we weren't aware of that, then you overplay your hand coming off the back of that because you feel like you need to make up for it or you freeze mm. because you feel so embarrassed and shameful and you feel guilty and you feel like everyone's pointing the finger at you. Mm. Okay, mm. so what if we were aware of ourselves in those critical moments and we could respond the way we would like to respond because we had mastery over our thoughts and feelings in key moments? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's about essentially look, looking at something that has happened, dissecting it all the way down to essentially what caused us to go that way, peeling everything back, becoming aware of just all of the different pieces yeah. to then be able to go, okay, so for next time, if I can kind of cut it here yeah. and play from this place instead, yeah. 
the outcome will be different. It's not breaking the moment into pieces. So you can dissect mm. the thought process behind the action that you took. Mm. Because if you understand the blueprint behind your thinking, you will then have more success more often because you know why. Mm. Yeah, the, the, why, the why is so important. Yeah, 100%. Like the art mm. of focus. If you looked at all the greatest athletes in the world, there is a look amongst their eye that is different to someone that isn't great. Yeah. And they're so relentless in their fo- in what they're focused at. Mm. And focus takes discipline. Focus takes um, emotional management of doubt, of should I do this? Should I do this? Like, mm. It's like, how can you stay so switched down the barrel of the gun despite the noise that's happening? I think I heard, I was listening to, I don't know who it was, but speaking about like the UFC and how like like fighters the first time that they step into the cage when there's a crowd around there's a lot more than just the fight they're worried about they're worried about like the crowd and the noise and the fact that there's probably millions of people watching them and that can easily override and get in the way and completely fuck up their performance. 100%, like positive emotion is still emotion. Mm. Negative emotion is emotion, right? You know what I mean? Like we need to be mindful of the actions that we are taking off the back of emotion. Because sure. if we take an action off the back of positive emotion, but the action we take off the back of positive emotion is actually detrimental, the positive emotion in the first place didn't serve us. Mm. Meaning like I've achieved my dream goal been in the UFC and I'm walking out in front of hundreds and thousands of people, but that got mm. me over overexcited. Sure. And my action sure. then follow that overexcitement. Yeah. That means you yeah. might do something outside of the game plan that you had. Yeah. Effectively, like you become cocky. You're aroused by the moment. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that gets so in the way sympathetic of... sympathetic nervous system arousal in that moment. You start to get really, really excited, mm. Okay, which is good. We need to tame that excitement because we don't want behavior to then be driven by that excitement. Mm. Which is where you speak a lot about, it's about coming back to a neutral place. 100%. Where, where you're not either or. Because in neutrality, we see things in logic and fact. Sure. And when we see things in logic and fact, we come back to process because it's only the process that gets us to the outcome. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's so uh, that's that's so important. Which which again to bring it all back, it's when you can deconstruct all of those things. 100%. And like I'm not mastering this. I'm sort of learning this in my own journey, right? I've mm. gone to just prepare my week and I go, Oh, I want to have X goal from a financial place in twelve months, but then I realize I it you can have that, but it's these five things doing every day that will actually get you there. <laughs> sure. Sure. We can get so fantasized by the number, by the figure, by this, by that. But it's yeah. like in actual fact, like thinking on that will not serve you any purpose. But getting clear on the process that will get you there is mm. actually the thing. Yeah, because because especially long-term goals like financial goals, when you break them down, it's actually a really boring process. Oh, 100%. It's super boring, but... You have to take the boring steps. 100%. And I narrowed it down to like five things. And it, it's like you realize it's like you just do that. Mm. But it's no different to an athlete, right? It's mm. like I talk to my athletes about finding your baseline score for a performance. Let's build the foundations to the house before we bedazzle the house. Mm. 
So let's build the foundations and then let's decorate. Mm. But once we've built the foundations and what I say to them is like, let's focus on the thing that helps the thing. So what I mean by that is let's not focus on triasis. Let's focus on early communication to our outside men. So we're in a position to score the try. Sure. Does that yeah. make sense? Or yeah. for example, it's like, if on defense or like, let's say punching, it's like, let's focus on this because that will help X. Mm. So let's focus mm. on domino one, because if we know we hit domino one, that's going to start to knock over the other dominoes. Sure. Sure. Rather than just try to go straight for the jugular. Yeah. Straight for the, yep. the glory moment. First step, the... knock it over. And you'll normally find that every other domino will start to knock over itself already. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I guess in, in finance terms is don't try and make a hundred grand, try and make, that yeah 300 bucks a day yeah like which is which is then a lot easier to digest as well yeah the more and more i spend in this space the more and more i realize that my job is actually just about simplifying all the noise that athletes go through Mm. this year i was lucky enough to spend eight weeks working with a national team and i just really being in that environment was so eye-opening to realize how much information they're trying to absorb Mm. they're checking every day they gotta do way they gotta fill out this survey, they got to do this, they got certain strength programs, they got all of this chit chat. Mm. So I'm like, I'm like, I like, I just help try and filter everything for them. Yeah. And then we can yeah. get to this place where it's like, how can I filter this noise with life with that, with that? And it's like, how can we end up spitting it out? So we just have a couple of processes every day to execute. Mm. <laughs> mm. And that's an interesting point too, because it's like, take away any kind of like, expertise take away take away majority of the labels that you have when it comes to the work that you do a lot of people just don't have someone in their corner who can provide an objective opinion or advice or guidance or accountability or whatever available to them and when you're in it when you're in when you when you're any kind of person who's be less use athletes because obviously, like you said, there's a lot that comes with being an athlete that is away from playing on the field is like, you think a young athlete, the, the, the parents, this is nothing against parents, but the parents want the best for the kid. And sometimes they aren't the best person to give the advice or, or they can often be become the emotional ones that, that actually isn't, isn't great and, and, and healthy at that time you've then got the coach, but the coach is worried about the whole team and, and all of all of their shit. Then you've got the other players who are too busy in their own heads trying to trying to work themselves out. And then so there really isn't like much room for someone to come in and just be that yeah. person to just be like, hey, like I just I'm sitting on the bus right now and I just feel just really agitated and I have no idea what to do. I said, I said to the elite athletes I worked with, it's like, I'm just like a dear diary. <laughs> like, I'm just like, you articulating even through a voice message or typing, like that will just spark awareness. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But like just getting in the habit of loan of just speaking to me a couple of times a week, mm. you know, or once a week or whatever it may be, is like enough to slowly plant more seeds of awareness that they, you know, just the process of digesting thought to word mm. can start to help them as well. Mm. So, 
so powerful and like just a, just a sounding board mm. like that that was one thing particularly I, for the elite athletes for the ones that are like trying to crack like when I talk yeah. about elite athletes I mean like key men in key positions in top top teams sure sure the, the they still want to get better don't get me wrong but like they in a, in a different role media commitments a lot of like headlines and news articles you know the other people that sort of scrape um don't get as much limelight in that sense because there's only mm. very few people that do that sort of get away sort of out the back those guys is a little bit interesting like they're in a great position to a degree <laughs> mm. you know what i mean like i reckon some elite i don't know this for a fact but i reckon some elite elite athletes would sort of envy the guys that don't get as much attention sure you know what sure. I mean? And so, yeah. like, they all need soundboards. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's interesting working with elite middle-range athletes and then people about to be pro. You, you start to see the different ways that each of them are thinking yeah. their approaches to life. Yeah, well, there's that saying. It's, um, like, new level, different devil or new level, yeah. different beast or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. No, no matter where you are, there's going to be shit. Yeah. Like, there's going to be shit. And, and the odds are is that the higher you climb, the fucking deadlier the Particularly beast. Particularly in the westernized world, like, the um, medium industry's job is to create noise. Sure. You know what I mean? And so many athletes that I work with have noise around them at key moments. mm and mm. so maybe one of the jobs for that week is eliminating the noise. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? So no, it's it's a it's a great journey, but um Where um where 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 do you hope to take it? Because it's been like fucking less than twelve months since you really Yeah really decided to to go Close into the it. the gym in December last year and sort of really committed this year. Mm. Mm. Um at the moment, uh my focus is building a model that supports the lifestyle that I want for my family. So I want to create such a great group program that is almost one-on-one in a group element. So it's cost-effective for athletes and mm. grow that to as many people as we possibly can. The mm. goal is 150 members in the next 12 months in that group program. Mm. Create in a way that you don't just want an app because then you don't have the one-on-one support. So we're trying to sure. tailor in one-on-one support and, you know, I guess the last eight months has been really sudden to see human, the human, the behavioral patterns of athletes, mm. how they think, mm. how much time they have, what's their calendar like, blah, 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 blah. And then to design a group program that is going to give them the one-on-one accountability, the one-on-one support at a, at a rate that isn't hard to fund. Because a lot of athletes, you don't think the journey of an athlete can be like, from a 50K minimum salary to a $1.2 million salary in the space of 12 to 24 months. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? So it is very much like early pro athletes aren't on much. So they need a, a program to take them to the next level, but not, you don't want a program that's going to cause them overwhelm their life because it's so expensive. Sure. And I don't sure. want anyone not to experience the next level of their growth. Mm. You know what I mean? So the next, the next part of it is like, how can I create such a, an amazing community of athletes that get the support they need, but isn't isn't going to bend them over financially? Mm. Mm. And and what is that? What what does that look like? Like what what's? It's there's three key pillars. The first one is there's three pillars: coaching, content, community. 
Then mm. the coaching elements, like how can we create a 12 month roadmap and then break that down into six, six weekly plans. Mm. And then within the six weekly plan, how every week do we show up with a win the week call? How do we execute the plan? Yeah. So where you get focus on. And then every Friday we have a call on getting unstuck. So you can submit your questions, show up for the call. You get the one-on-one coaching on a Friday. Mm. Mm. Okay. So you got that. Okay, cool. Then we've got the app building a pocket coach at the moment. So it's like, okay, you get a tailored app experience because there's 30 to 50 videos that are in there and going to be in there designed around this, the T area. So it's like you're feeling pre-performance anxiety. How can you get support? Mm. So it's like, cool, go on to the pocket coach, watch a four to six minute video. I break down pre-performance anxiety, help them through, through some different processes, form their back focus. Or they might be having a lot of self-doubt after a pool performance. They go into the app, they watch a four to six minute video, they break through it. So there's a couple of different elements to it. Athletes don't have much time. So you need to create a way to get them where they want to get to in less than an hour a week. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's uh, how can you do that? Is like create an app that's easy and then give them six-week game plan, have someone checking on them to hold them accountability and then give them a couple of windows of opportunities to get tailored support throughout the week. Mm. And if mm. you can do that under sort of 60 to 90 minutes a week, that's all you need to help an athlete go to the next level, I think. Yeah, like 100%. 100% keeping it as simple as possible. And at the end of the day, like, and because and, I've, I've had a quick look into the, like into the back end of the, the app, which you, which you shared on your stories. And it's like, everything's there. Like if they ever need help with something in particular, it's there. But the core of that is purely just, here's yeah. your plan. Tick it off. And it's day by better day. the way I'm setting it up than having one-on-one support with me. Sure. Sure. I caught yeah. up someone today. I was like, the group program is actually better than one-on-one support because yeah. On a Saturday night at 10.30 p.m. after you finish your performance, Jared isn't going to be there. Yeah. But to overcome that current problem, you can go in and you can have that Yeah, support. yeah. You, you spoke a little bit about your plan in the beginning, the, the plan moving forward is, is to set up you and your family, which you are between now and fucking within the next four weeks going to become a dad. Maybe the launch of this podcast above might be it. Has Taylor tried to call yet? Yeah, well, maybe we, maybe we do it on his on his birthday. Um, I'll have it ready. Well, walk me through walk me through that process, like really stepping into this next phase of your life. I feel like every month have got more serious. I feel like in the early end, like when the belly's not showing and it's all like exciting, but mm. you probably it hasn't. It's not like really sunk in. Like it's not reality for mm. me. It didn't feel like anyway. Um. But it was always intentional. Sure. So like we intended to have a child. It wasn't by a mistake. It wasn't by anything. We wanted to create a human. <laughs> You're not a mistake, little man. <laughs> so, created, so we created a human. Um, but I think it has accelerated the journey from going from a boy-based mentality to a man. Actions, the behaviors, the thinkings, the responsibilities are completely different. Mm. Um, and so this journey has offered that. I saw a post the other day by a guy called Chris Dufay, I think it is. Really cool guy, philosopher, great businessman. He wrote something like, 
it's like the juggle. He's writing some sort of um, essay on this particular topic, but it's like the juggle between the pursuit of the man's purpose and goals whilst also providing for his family and being there for his family. Mm. That's mm. like my ultimate goal right now. Is like how can I be there to take my kids to school if they go to school? <laughs> how can I be there for my child? How can I kick the football with him? How can I take him for a walk? But then also create financial independence whilst impacting the, the lives of the people around me in the work that I love mm. and being relentless in that pursuit and being pro in what I want to achieve, but at the same time not neglecting what means most, which is, mm. I guess, family. <laughs> yeah. The the way I said, and I don't have kids, <laughs> it's a while away for me, but um, the, the way that I've always seen it and my mentality toward having kids has always felt like when I make the decision to, it's going to be when I'm ready to take a step back almost and be be okay with not having as much time to really do the things that I want to do. Mm. And so the reason why I have not considered that is one, I don't have a partner. But <laughs> wait, but, is, that, is that a call out? Was that a, <laughs> not a call out? Um, but but two is like I, I'm in a period where I'm to be really selfish. But what I've seen with with you, just just observing it from the outside, is like you've come to terms with the fact that it's like there is not really a sacrifice. Obviously, the lifestyle changes, but the pursuit for a great career and 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 making shit happen is still high. Yeah, I'm want to be, and I've had. Me and Tay have had these conversations. Like, I really, really like want to financially support my family, mm. and then I'll allow Taylor. Like, my goal is to financially retire Taylor, and Taylor works out of pure, pure, does like want, mm. not not a have to. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's the ultimate goal because uh, you know there's so much to like. I see how hard Taylor works now, and add a child to that. Like, I read mm. a post the other day. It's like the mother will wake up, dress the child, you know, pack their lunch, do that, and by one p.m. it's like they've done a hundred things. Sure, and sure. it's like the unspoken stuff that they have to do is like. And I would rather do the work I'm doing than do that rather mm. than being the other way around, right? Mm. But mm. I want to be really, really selfish for four to five hours a day. Sure, it's like. I want to create shit. I want to help people. I want to help athletes go to the next level. I want to, um, you know, grow my business. I want to make more impact. I want to do all those amazing things for four or five hours a day. Mm. Mm. And if I can't create systems, put people in place, hire people, um, simplify my message in a way that doesn't allow me to get what I want to get done in four to five hours a day, I'm not doing a good enough job. Mm. Mm. Personally, like you can like the Alex Hormoses have high leverage tasks all the time for 12 hours a day and you'll have, you'll go through the roof. But for where I'm at, it's like, I don't want that. And I don't want to work relentlessly that he does. And I do want a family. Mm. It's like, I need to learn. It's like, how can I maximize four to five hours a day to support my family, live out my purpose within my work, help my clients and grow my business and then I just need to get clear on what are the few things I need to be doing in order to achieve that. Mm. 
Mm. And with the world of AI technology, like you can set up systems in order to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just and and I guess too, like just just asking the question of like, how can I do this based on what I have yeah. accessible and personality types? Like, mm. I feel like I'm really, really energetic when I'm on. Like very energetic like probably the loudest in the room most of the time mm. when i'm energetic but i'll crash if i'm if i'm overworked so it's realizing come to terms and you know for some this might sound like an excuse but it's like i really only function well for four hours yeah four or five hours yeah do you know what i mean otherwise i'll end up just becoming too tired you know what i mean and i just i don't execute because i feel like one of my strengths is to be passionate and to be sure. really enthusiastic and inspiring, but that also that battery does run out. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is important. And I think that's, that's a great, like that, that's a great thing to, for people who also feel the same, because I think there is people out there and, 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 and I'm, I am slightly different, but the same in the, in the sense that, um, I have my capacities, but I think for people who are as passionate as you wondering why potentially they can't sustain things for a standard eight hour day, it's recognizing that that's just not yeah. what you do and that's okay. So also the other day, it's like one interruption takes like 45 minutes to get your attention back on track or something like that. Mm. And so I don't look at it as eight hours a day. It's like, how can I get more? How can I get 20 hours of someone else's work done in four hours? Yeah. It just yeah. comes down to focus. Mm. It really just comes down to execution of what's in front of you. Yeah. And leverage. It's like, is the thing that I'm doing having a high return of investment? Sure. So if it is recording a session I'm doing with a client to then create content off the back, I'm killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. I feel like so many people are doing like one hour of work, one hour of getting, you know, putting one hour in and getting one hour out. Sure. It's like, yeah. how can you do one hour of in that gives you 10 hours out? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess it'd be like, it, it'd be like managing five people, spending an hour with them, but then they go off and do an hour each. It's for five hours of five hours of work. So yeah, I want to go back to, um, the the part you were saying because the 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 boy and the man like two words are very very powerful words um because we went through like uh, a mentorship same time over the course of 12 weeks and i feel like i mean speaking for myself that was a that was a huge catalyst for change which was diving very much into the human condition how we're wired our subconscious beliefs um revealing revealing basically the parts of ourselves and how we're made up that we're hiding that then we go oh fuck that's why that's like why coming back to why the way that i am and and the reason that um my life is the way it is but then also understanding okay well now i know that if i want to make a change i need to find i need to find where that current wiring is to then deconstruct it and and then bring in a, a new set of beliefs a new set of thoughts but in particular for you i guess i guess th- that experience because that was early early pregnancy as well with tay um 
I guess how is that experience? But but I wanna I wanna understand more in depth what the transition from that boy to man has been like for you. It comes down to one word, and that's responsibility. Mm. I spoke to Jack, just he he's the mentor that guided us and and phenomenal man and phenomenal wisdom. Um, yeah, the Jag. And we spoke over Instagram. He's like, and we're talking about, he's been putting up a lot about a man and responsibility. So I'm willing to accept right now that I go between hours of the day, between little boy done, oh, fuck, it's not my responsibility, it's someone else's responsibility, and wanting responsibility. So I'm still transitioning between that boy and the man. Mm. And there will become a time soon that I feel like no and maybe it's when the child says like no I'm always responsible mm. you know what I mean but I'm still navigating that process so I'm happy to admit that and Jad says like there's a blind spot it's like want like uh, the prison is like essentially do I want responsibility sure and it made me really think it's like because then am I avoiding it yeah and I'm looking at it from a different perspective and so one of the things that's been really good with me and Tay that I feel like we haven't even even said this, but like Tay really um, has been good in understanding how the male thinks and how I receive credit. Like what inspires me, like inspire me saying like, I love you. Like, you know, that's all good. And like that, you know, that's all, but like saying like, Jared, what you're doing for this family inspires me. And I know like that, like, that really gets me going. Does mm. that make sense? And so mm. I think what's been good for like recently seeing Tay's like, wow, like I'm really seeing like Tay's really moving into that really like motherly, beautiful nurturing for our children. You know, um, you know, she's putting so much effort into our, you know, our nutrition beautiful meals you know getting um natural deodorant for me like prioritizing those things mm. where i'm like i am the financial supporter that provides our family with the opportunities does that make sense mm. yeah um and so it's really looking like like taylor's fulfilling her responsibility and i have a responsibility that i need to feel but yeah that boy consciousness to man consciousness has been Oh, but it's not me. Some all come in, rescue me. Uh, it's okay. Like, but it's like, no, like, this is your responsibility. You need to sort it. Like, this is on you. You know what mm. I mean? Like, mm. not having, yeah, yeah, that's really what, and say is like, am I seeking the responsibility? Do I want it? Do I respect the responsibility of being a father? Do I respect the responsibility and what it takes to be the leader of the family, mm. the protector of the family? But, is the big one, but without needing the words of affirmations to feel like I need to continue that responsibility. Sure. It's a duty and change that mindset. It's like a duty without needing the verbal affirmations from the ones around me saying, mm. you're doing an amazing job. Blah, blah, blah. Keep it up. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like, it should just be my duty. And that's something yeah. that I'm striving and working towards is like, like, you know mm. what I mean? Yeah, like making that the baseline. Yeah. That's just like but it's the like, thing. That's just the man I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I recently, um, I was like this, the, the secret to the man's heart or something like that, but it's like uh, I grew up Christian but sort of gone away with it. I want to sort of rebuild my own identity around God and, and what that looks like um, and not seeing it from a conditioned base. Not saying that I had bad conditioning, but I want to create my own identity around it. Mm-hmm. Uh. 
and looking at some of the Christian values and looking at some of the, like the real divine masculine men these days in like, you know, real stoic, strong, you know, men in those things. And um, I feel like in the personal development world, there's so many different um, definitions for words. And I feel like you just got to find out <laughs> there's a niche for everything. <laughs> mm, you know, mm. and there's the, there's the heart-led artist, poet, man who, you know, embraces tears that, you know, there was a part of me that loved that. And now I'm like, no, like I'm a hard man. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't show my feelings to, to my family. I'm strong, but you know, I can manage my emotions, but I need to, you know what I mean? Like, mm, mm. you know, I feel like you, there's so many ways you can look at masculinity these days. And I feel sure. like that can become quite confusing to you start to question yourself. Should I be this or should I be that? Yeah. So yeah. I think, um, I'm just really getting clear on who are my external role models around masculinity, being a father and, I guess looking at ways that they show up and and not modeling them, you know, looking at them and taking inspiration and then implying that, applying that from my own perspective. Mm. And it's really interesting too, because um, one thing from all of that, all the stuff we did with Jag was learning what values are actually all about. Yeah. And values aren't to be deviated. Yeah. It's like you either you either have the value or you don't. Yeah, it's a big one. And it's I'm so not disciplined in so many areas of my life. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like seriously. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the pursuit of more without even just mastering one thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's like that's an interesting thing. And right? I was driving here don't let your fucking dad down, Jared. Mm. Like, don't be perfect on this podcast. Mm. You know, don't try and sound intelligent more than what you are. Like let your dad down and like yeah. I am not disciplined in so many things mm. and I need to be so mm. much better at things and it's almost like like we've spoken about this the toxic side of personal development yeah you know you can get so caught up in more 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 without even just going what are the things that mean most to me and don't deviate from that <laughs> yeah yeah and that's a, and and that's such an interesting thing like that's where a lot of the gold lies in getting what we want is realizing how much we lie to ourselves yeah. to try and to try and, and and other people to try and appear further than what we are but we're actually just harming ourselves in the process yeah. of like no nah, I'm disciplined I'm yeah. disciplined but then lacking the embodiment and it, it, it comes it comes to the Alex Hormozy quote like you, you don't become confident by yelling affirmations in the mirror. But by having a, a stack of undenial will prove that you are who you say you are. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's the greatest quote. It's like um it's like don't seek don't don't seek confidence, build evidence or something like that. Yeah. Another quote yeah. That had, well it's, it's it's yeah, it's all saying the same thing. And it's so true. It's like I feel like we're in a, such a bedazzled world that we want to show that off, but mm. You know what I mean? And and I've been seeing more and more stuff on it lately and it just really, really like fascinates me. It's like, what if your best highlights weren't shown on social media? Yeah. And that's what I really want to get to. I feel like I've maybe fallen into the social media vortex. Sure. More than what I would have liked to. Mm. And it's like, mm. be a man that has his family and that's enough. Yeah. Have your purpose, yeah. have your family and that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because when you do break it down, what's like... What am I seeking externally that, from social media? Exactly. Yeah. 
yeah, what's like what is on the other side of 100%. that? Because everything's everything's fleeting when you break it down. It's like, oh, my post did great, and it's like now it's not doing great anymore, yeah. and like now I'm kind of just like don't really exist anymore. And you look at anyone that's blown up on social media without viral. Mm. I don't want to be a viral. I don't want to be like a create an uneducated sort of. I'd like I don't want to be the the tap man that does something in front of me with his cat and goes viral and gets a flash from that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You looked at the Hormoses or the Tom Nossi that we followed. It's like they were relentless for two or three years consistently and that got mm. them to a following where they are today. Yeah. And I, I, I look at that too. And that's, that's something that I've continually, like daily, yeah. had to bring myself back to is like looking at these people and going, there was a point for them where it took off. Like there was, there was a, there was a, the, the fucking whatever it is like it was the, something clicked yeah. and it went um which is where you would where you would argue was the overnight success of 100%. like the one thing but it's like there's there's a quote it takes 10 years to become an overnight success or whatever it is and you look at you go back and you go i'm just going through these guys just going damn like like respect. Yeah. Respect. I love, I often love going back to these guys' social medias in the early days. Yeah. I scroll, yeah. I'll spend 10 minutes scrolling a year away, just, you know, you know two yeah. years away to see yeah. where were they? What were they posting back then? Yeah. And, and, and also, also the fact that they weren't that great back then as well. But or, like, or, but, but that's almost, he said he had like 8,000 followers 24 months ago. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I definitely remember where he, where he really started to put the pedal down. Like he had a yeah. strong following, but like where he really started to put put the pedal down. And it's like the in, the consistency compounds. Like my goal is to at least post 10 plus times a week. Yeah. Came in for two a day. And this year alone from January to where are we now, September, mm. it's like the following's gone from like 350 to 2000. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you can see what happens over time if you consistently, and it's not for people like listening. It's not all about like the number. It's about having an engaged audience yeah. that you can help. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the, that's the thing that I admire about these guys is like, I feel like if you can get a large percentage of your audience following you for the direct purpose of your contact, your content impacting them, Mm. I feel like that's the, that's the ultimate goal. And Tasha sure. Moore says that the, the best is like, uh, he's a firm believer that your marketing will help more lives than your program does. Sure. Yeah. Which is, which is a, which is a, which is a great thing because all of my intellectual probably around athletes is on my socials. Yeah. It's just the implementation that people pay for. Sure. Yeah. And that's the speed bump that I think most business owners and creators get that they don't do is like, some of the clips that I do is literally sessions from my clients. Mm. The only difference is it's like they maybe get a quicker response from me in certain circumstances and I maybe give them, they don't need to go through this website to download that thing. Mm. They can just have it. You know what mm. I mean? Like I think mm. really that's what it comes down to, but we should be willing to give away. To be honest, it's not that we shit. If you want to thrive as a creator and a business owner in the next five years, you need to give your best stuff away for free. Otherwise, you'll be left you'll be left behind. Yeah, yeah. And it also comes down to to like the intention. Like one one really interesting transition that I've made is 
understanding the de- uh, understanding what it's like to just really want to help people. Yeah. And I think when you just really want to yeah. help people, it feels good to give it away for free. I agree. That's something that I do like struggle with and often have to try and pull myself up is like, it's not, this post isn't trend. Like don't expect anything from this post. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. strategy around growing your business. Don't get me wrong, but you're putting it out there, not, not putting it out there to the desire to hopefully deign putting that out there for the like for the genuine the genuineness of wanting to help. Mm, mm. And too, like it's because at the end of the day, if you if you're being genuine, you're being authentic, and you're putting out the stuff that you want to do. You said before, like you don't want to go viral for a cat video, um, because then you just attract a bunch of pussy lovers. But like, <laughs> you like that? Yeah, yeah, that was in the back of my mind. That's a um, dad joke. That's a dad. Yeah, that should have come from you. Um, it's like you don't want that, but like, but how good would it be to be fully recognised and and have have a moment where a large amount of people really value who you are authentically? Yeah, as well. Like, I would I would love. For all of my content to that's go viral. That's why I love, like, I know he's the talk of the town in the world, but that's why I love our Tormosi, like, never skip dessert, calves, flannels. Yeah. And he talks about that being, like, brain building. It's like, yeah. what are the things people know you for? Yeah. And I yeah. love that authenticity. It's like, tacky, yeah. wears no shoes, he's not a certain type, you know what I mean? Like, mm. he's mm. like, brand, you know, things that some of, and I'm still trying to figure out what that is out for me. Yeah. But, yeah, like, these, yeah. It's it's cool to see these guys' journey. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. And there is very inspiring. And they're and they're they they're, they're smarter than they're smarter than what we see as well. Like oh, it's yeah. very important because smart people don't overplay their hand in an audience that doesn't need their plan. Their yeah. It you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you Dan Coe says it the best. So like you got to meet the audience at where they're at. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to provide someone with a step ten plan step if they're at step one yeah the true sign of intelligence i think from a business or someone wanting to help someone is giving them the seed they need at that point not giving them the seed 10 steps down the- and this is something that i don't think people early on in business and 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 fucking i'm still learning this every day is that this the the smartest the, the smartest people in business who have experienced business for a long time it's like it's this paradox where the smartest people have the simplest processes and yeah. the simplest systems. But it's so funny about because it takes so much intelligence to get down to the simple message. It, it takes like you, you a journey. You, you're like 80-20, Yeah. And that's what I say to yeah. all the athletes. It's like, cool, how can we understand your beliefs? How can we spend five minutes in the morning sitting in silence setting the outcomes? And how can we learn how to focus our mind if we just focus on those three things without doing any of the anything else like that's mm. all we that that will be enough to take you to the next level that's a, that's enough to take anyone to the next level of whatever they're doing yeah but that's what i'm saying it's like we don't need a thousand things we just need the few things that work and we just yeah. need to do them more often mm. Mm. beautiful where can people find you i keep chopping and changing these say <laughs> jared brown yeah, two ends at the end. So J A W I E D Brown B R O W N N, Nunan, um, or Mindful Lead as well. So yeah. Mindful Lead, one or the other, one or the other. Um, 
you could say threads, TikTok, but I'm not really active on those things. So hey, you're get on let's TikTok. just stick with Instagram. I know. Instagram's good. Taylor mentioned TikTok thing to me. I just, uh, less is more right now. I'm just trying to focus on one and then maybe branch out. Get you some cat videos. I'll start to play in your waters, the TikTok world, eh? Yeah. Are you on that? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's so, it's so interesting. Like it's such a different audience and there is, there has never been a consistent theme with engagement on the same posts. So something does well on Instagram, doesn't do well on TikTok and vice versa. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like it's, I mean, you could get by with just basically posting on Instagram and just doing the same thing and just posting the same content. But for me, it's actually been really interesting observing, observing the way that people interact and how the content goes on both platforms because they are very different they are very different um tiktok's a lot a lot less uh a lot more a lot more unfiltered yeah meaning people speak their mind a lot more so you kind of you got to get prepared especially something especially if something takes off well done to you Tony, for ripping the band off thank (laughs) you for having me here it's uh it's good to see you following your passions as well so and to have me on your podcast but um i'm excited to see where yourself continues to grow and evolve mate i reckon i reckon a couple of weeks after mate, i'll give you i'll give you i'll give you two months after baby's born we're gonna do a follow-up episode because i'm i'm so keen to see what the what can, the journey's can he like be here i can know he has to be okay. he's a key speaker he can have my seat he can have my seat. We'll definitely get a photo. How 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 if life he has his mother's intelligence. He'll be a good podcast. He'll agree with great podcast. I'm a man. I'm I'm. Which is why I wanted to get you on because it's like it's it's going to be so awesome to now see this next transition. The biggest thing I, di- I didn't say it, but the biggest thing I am excited about is like uh, every guy I ever asked is like, "What was the feeling when you first saw your child?" They can't even articulate it. Mm. I can't wait for that experience. You better be able I can't to wait. It. Like I, I know what I do when I end up looking after someone. Like I know just how I've naturally looked after mum through her cancer treatment, through mm. my dog that was recently sick. Like mm. the amount of like drive and determination that comes over me. So I'm just excited. I'm not placing an expectation on it, but when he's yours, <laughs> mm. I, I'm just so excited for that moment because I just feel like I look at any man. And I'm like, who has children? I was like, and they all say like, you find a gear that you thought you never had. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for that. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for to, uh, part two with little bub. Make it happen.